Morning everybody, how you doing today? In this episode of the show, we're gonna recap some of Apple's latest privacy announcements. So this week in California, Apple has pulled in thousands of developers for its annual worldwide developer conference. Over the course of a few days, uh, developers get to talk to Apple software engineers and platform engineers directly as they give out uh, a series of talks to explain how the uh, software development kits and various features within the operating systems work. And as part of this conference, they always have an opening keynote. And that happened yesterday. We had a host of Apple leaders on stage talking about the upcoming new versions of Mac OS, of iOS, of tvOS, of watchOS, and the new iPad OS, which is basically an iPad only um, fork or subset of iOS. So we get all these cool features to hear about what's coming out in the fall and developers get to start playing with these features now so that by the time when we get the new OS on our devices, there are apps ready to go to leverage these features. And time and time again, Apple hits on a key message around privacy. And that's what I wanted to recap for you today. See, Apple's model is very different than Facebook's or Google's uh, or even something like Twitter or any of the other social networks or big media giants. Um, Apple makes money selling devices. And they firmly seem to believe in their privacy message, which is fantastic, but let's be cynical for a minute. Even if they don't, this is how they make money. They make money by selling us more devices, um, selling us iMac, selling us everything they can, which is great because their model is not around selling our data. Um, and they're reinforcing that uh, time and time again. In fact, here's Craig Federer talking about that very thing as part of the Apple keynote. What's most important is that Maps have been, has been designed to be private and secure. We always protect your identity and activity, and there's no need to flip a switch to ask Maps to start respecting your privacy. Because at Apple, we believe privacy is a fundamental human right, and we engineer it into everything we do. And this year, we're doing even more. So you can see from that short clip that uh, on the slide, they've called out a number of features they've built in to the devices and into the software in order to respect privacy. One of the key things is, is that data is processed locally for machine learning models, um, and anything that is sent to the cloud is sent to your iCloud account, um, which has limited access and limited um, has a significant set of restrictions around it, um, which is something that's gonna be more and more critical to understand moving forward. But Craig goes on further to talk about um, specifically around location privacy. Let's see what he has to say about that. For the that. first time, you can share your location to an app just once and then require it to ask you again next time it wants it. Now, some apps try to work around these protections by scanning for Bluetooth or Wi-Fi signals to infer your location. Well, we're shutting the door on that abuse as well. This is a great announcement. Uh, the switching to allowing apps to use your location just once is critical. We've all had those apps where you're like, yeah, I just want to do this this once. Um, similarly, in mobile Safari, when you're maybe looking for a store and it's like, well, we want to use your current location and it won't let you type in a, a postal code or an address. Um, a, doing a one-time grant is really, really critical. Also, sealing off that loophole around pinging Wi-Fi networks and pinging Bluetooth networks and then comparing that to a back-end database, that is a really important move towards privacy. It's great to see these kind of initiatives for Apple, but they went even one step further, at least in the keynote. I'm sure they went several steps further as we'll find out over the next few days when they talk more about the changes upcoming to Safari. But here's an interesting new announcement. 
Sign in with Apple is the fast, easy way to sign in without all the tracking. A simple API allows a developer to put a sign in with Apple button right in their app. You just tap it and you're authenticated with Face ID on your device, logged in with a new account without revealing any new personal information. Now that's absolutely huge. We've all seen uh, the proliferation of all these sign-up accounts that, hey, sign in with your Google account, sign in with your Twitter account, sign in with your Facebook account. And theoretically, we have some controls in those instances. When you're signing up with Facebook, you can actually go in and say, don't grant these permissions. But nine times out of 10, or probably 99 times out of 100, those apps then fail and won't allow you to actually create an account because you didn't give them all the information they requested. Now, the documentation is available for signing with Apple and there's a lot of requirements on the developer's side to implement some pretty strong anti-tracking and privacy protections. And that's a really positive thing. It goes even further though, and this is a really, really clever uh, addition to the feature, um, but not for the reason they state on stage. You can choose to share your actual email address or you can choose to hide it. And when you do, we'll create a unique random address that forwards to your real address. So this concept of a random address that forwards to your unique address, it's really, really interesting because what it does is it reduces the blast radius of you signing up for new accounts. Because every time you sign up for a new account using this method, Apple will actually generate a brand new unique random private ID to forward to uh, your account. So for every app that you sign up using this method, you're gonna get a unique email address. Now that's been a, a long time hole. Now people have worked around this and done it themselves, but that's been a gap because while you're supposed to use a different password for every site, you're always using the same email. This will help you reduce that even further, that potential risk, but there is a flip side risk on your part because when you get that email in your inbox, you're gonna have to reply as that email and hide your initial, um, your real address. It's just something to look out for. Now, the good news here is that most apps uh, send you out information to a, uh, from a no reply address. So you have to take steps to contact them anyway. You just need to make sure that you use the same shadow address here. But this is a fantastic way to protect your privacy. It's another step forward. It's, this is a great theme in the keynote is that every chance they had, they kind of hit, hey, we're doing steps, we're taking steps, we're making um, developers take steps to protect your privacy. And that's a really, really positive thing. Now I mentioned before how Apple has a tendency to push for on-device processing. This is part of the reason why Siri is not nearly as good as OK Google or Alexa is because all the processing and the modeling is done on the devices. So when they trade new models and they push, uh, they have to push updates down to the devices um, via system updates in order to get better Siri understanding. Now the funny thing is, is in my experience, Siri is actually really good at understanding me. It's the back-end searches that really suck. You see this most commonly in Apple Music. If you ask for a specific album by a specific artist, Siri types it out correctly, but then it won't actually find the thing that it knows you're looking for. So there's definitely uh, some gaps here and there is a lack of quality compared to some competitors, but that's the trade-off for privacy because on-device processing means that everything stays here and at worst is pushed up to my iCloud account, which is actually encrypted um, with my credentials as well. And Apple has um, severe restrictions around how they can access that account. But here's a new feature they've announced that follows this model. And you can see from the illustration in the keynote why this is so important. Yes, HomeKit Secure Video. In that case, the video was analyzed in your home. 
on your resident iPad, HomePod, or Apple TV. And then it's encrypted and securely sent to iCloud where no one, not even Apple, can see it. Now that reinforces that theme again of on-device processing and backing it up into your iCloud account, which is locked down. This, again, great moves for privacy, but it highlights how critical it is to understand the access to your iCloud account and to keep iCloud secure. So using uh, two-factor authentication, using a strong uh, password um, or passphrase, that's absolutely critical moving forward because all your Apple data is being backed up into that account. Now there was one last announcement that um, caught my eye and a bunch of people reached out um, to ask if this one actually goes against what they've announced around privacy. This is around the new Find My feature. They've merged Find My Friends and Find My Device was called Find My iPhone, but I found all your devices, um, into one app and they simply called it Find My. Here's what Craig has to say about that. It has a new twist because it can now even locate Apple devices that are offline. Now, this is particularly important for Macs because often your laptop is folded up in a bag, asleep, and no longer on the network. Now, the way this works is really cool. Let's say you've misplaced your MacBook. So even when it's offline and sleeping, it sends out a secure Bluetooth beacon that can be detected by other people's Apple devices nearby. Now, they can relay your MacBook's location to the network and ultimately back to you so you can find it. Now, what's amazing is that this whole interaction is end-to-end -end encrypted and anonymous. So it's not that amazing that it's end-to-end -end encrypted and anonymous. That's the only way you could reasonably build this feature. So interestingly enough, Find My uh, has always been available for mobile devices, right? So this is constantly pinging back when it's online to Apple to say, hey, this is where the device is located, and I can go into my iCloud account and um, access it. Now, if you've ever um, traded in your iPhone um, or uh, sent it uh, for recycling, one of the steps they always ask you to do is to turn off Find My Phone. And the reason being is because you uh, have to be authenticated on the device to actually disable that because otherwise it wouldn't work uh, as a security feature um, as planned, right? If anybody could turn it off. But the downside is, is that it's either off or it's on. There's no in between. Now with the new version, you're going to have your devices, even if they're not connected to Wi-Fi or not connected to the cellular network, they're going to be pinging out using Bluetooth beacons. Now Bluetooth beacons is a whole nother episode, uh, but the interesting thing here is that uh, it's going to be end-to-end -end encrypted and anonymous, which basically means they are going to be using uh, Apple devices uh, as a internet, basically, right? This is end-to-end uh, -end encrypted means uh, that you're not going to have any risk from uh, identification um, as your um, Mac pings uh, nearby phones or nearby iPads to send it back to iCloud. Um, that's a really solid design pattern. Now there is some exposure risk because your system is gonna be constantly sending out uh, a ping and a beacon. And even though it's encrypted and anonymous, that pattern might actually have some operational security concerns, but not for 99.99% of the population. This is a great way to close a loophole, especially for MacBooks, um, where they weren't actually opting in uh, or they weren't actually reporting back because they had to be connected to Wi-Fi. So this um, covers it if somebody steals your MacBook, if it's anywhere near an iPhone, which pretty much it always will be, um, it's going to be able to ping back and still report its location, uh, but without betraying uh, any of your privacy. And it's a really clever 
design. I look forward to more details, but on the surface, this looks like a really smart move. So overall, there was a lot of great announcements around privacy um, and on-device processing and really uh, that privacy by design um, built in. Now, there, are, like I said, there are some sacrifices. Apple is a massive company, so they can take the hit of Siri not being quite as good as uh, other um, competing things like Alexa and OK Google. Um, also the fact that they have uh, their custom ASICs, their custom A10 and A11 chips um, all over the place. So they're in iPod uh, or they're in the HomePod, sorry. Uh, they're now in the new iPod. Uh, they're in your iPhones, they're in your iPads. They've got a ton of processing power locally to be able to pull this off. But the advantage from a privacy perspective is that your data is always staying on your device and if it's not on your device it's sent to your own iCloud account not to a back-end massive service for mining and um, your iCloud account is actually um, restricted to your your access um, and law enforcement upon a uh, legal or judicial request so I will link to the iCloud security paper that I believe um, Apple has around I think it's a dedicated iCloud one but it might be part of their bigger security services I'll put that in the comments down below but that was a highlight of some of the great announcements uh, from Apple yes I really like their their stuff but because of this privacy first approach. I'm willing to take some sacrifice in functionality to gain that privacy. What about you? What do you think? Let me know. Hit me up online um, at marknca in the comments down below. And as always, by email, me at markn.ca. Hope you're set up for a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode of the show.